This episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast is presented by Sling. Coming up on Sling this weekend, of course, we've got the CONCACAF Gold Cup, uh, which includes the quarterfinals, and then before you know it, it's going to be semifinals and finals. You can watch all of those games on Sling. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. Uh, we're back after the uh, 4th of July. I uh, hope you and uh, all your loved ones had a fantastic, uh, happy 4th uh, and had a good time. Uh, Kartik uh, Krishna is my guest, co- uh, is my co-host. Uh, my name is Christopher Harris. Kartik, we're going to do something a little bit different uh, on this podcast. Is we're going to talk about two topics um, that came up this past week. Uh, one of which is is a huge one that has huge ramifications uh, if it happens, and that is the Premier League taking control of the media rights to the FA Cup, uh, which has for international markets. This is uh, pretty much seismic uh, ramifications. And then the second part of it uh, that we will discuss is Wrexham. And they've announced details about their streaming platform for the 2023-24 season. So, Kartik, which one do you, do you want to start with first? I think they're somewhat related. Uh, if uh, I'm honest with you, okay. I had a conversation with someone earlier today who feels that there is uh, a certain relationship between the growing popularity of Wrexham and presence of Wrexham now in the Football League and the FA and Premier League potentially colluding on this, uh, this thing. Interesting. So I, we could start with either one. All right, well, let's start with the Wrexham one. It's probably easier, uh, less complicated. So, so the Wrexham one, uh, we talked about this a few months ago uh, at the end of the season uh, for Wrexham. They got, they got promoted, fantastic. And we were talking about, okay, what, what, what's the possibilities for them for the 2023-24 season? Most of the clubs that are in the English Championship, League One and League Two, uh, use a service called iFollow. Which is, uh, I mean, it's it's a uh, subscription basis. You have to pay to uh, subscribe to either on a per game basis, uh, or per, per month, or a whole season uh, to subscribe subscribe to watch uh, the home and away games for each individual team. So if you're a fan of Portsmouth and you subscribe to I Follow uh, for those games, you can't watch all of the other games from. Um, the, you mean the championship, League One, League Two, etc. You you only get the Portsmouth home and away games. So Wrexham had the choice. Wrexham could have done their own streaming platform, which some clubs have done in the past. Uh, some continue to do so, uh, or they could go ahead and partner up with iFollow, which is run by the EFL, the English Football League, and then uh, just jump on that and and then basically um, ride that wave. And, and that's what they decided to do rather than to go ahead and launch their own streaming platform, which requires uh, you know, a whole ho- a ton of um, skills and, and, and technical and, and kind of platforms and testing to create something from scratch is quite an undertaking in a very short time. So uh, in preparation for this next season, 2023, starting I think late July, early August, uh, they're going to be on the iFollow system, uh, so you subscribe through the Wrexham website. And then the cost. The cost for the entire season is $178, which sounds probably like a lot, a lot, right? Um, but there's a lot of games uh, in the season. Those will include the home games and the away games, except for the games that are on ESPN+, which are going to be a 
maybe a few. Uh, it's not going to be a large number. So in order to watch every single league game, home and away for Wrexham, uh, you need ESPN Plus, and you need, which is, what, $10 a month, and then also you need um, Wrexham's iFollow at $178 a month, uh, a season, sorry. Kartik, what's your take on, on the pricing there? Uh, good or bad? Or, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? As someone who's done iFollow before, that's generally the price range. So Wrexham is actually not gouging. I'm encouraged by the fact that they chose to work with iFollow, the football league, I, the EFL on this. Uh, I had assumed that with their massive popularity, they would launch their own platform. Uh, there is a, a time uh, issue, as you as you know, but I, I think this is pretty good news. I, I know, again, that, that that sounds like a lot of money, and it is. I'm not pretending it's not, uh, but that is kind of what you end up paying if you support a lower division team in England uh, to watch the games. And, and uh, mm-hmm. both you and I can attest to that personally. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. I mean, like, I'm a fan of Swansea City, have been my whole entire life. Uh, for me, uh, having the ability to watch every single home and away game, that's something that I've never had before, before I follow, or before the, the streaming platforms available to us. So to me, the value I put on that ability to watch all those games that I couldn't have done in the past uh, is enormous. So the $178 a season sounds like a lot. It's actually less than what I've been paying for my Swansea City uh, streaming subscription for the home and away games. But um, but to me, as, as a Swansea fan, it's a lot of money, but it's it's worth it. It's something that that's my attachment. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to see the games. Otherwise, I'd see what was on ESPN+, Plus, which might be one game a month, um, I'm able to watch more games than a Swansea City fan that's based in Wales or based in the United Kingdom. I can see the, all the home games, all the away games, and really have an attachment to that team. And the interesting thing is when we uh, uh, had the story about this, about the pricing and, and announcing uh, the good news for Wrexham fans, you, you can now watch all the games uh, if you want to. You just have to pay that amount of money. I was surprised by the, the number of people, mostly MLS fans, that were saying like, ah, you mean like 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 a MLS season pass is a hundred dollars a season, you mean? And people were complaining about that price. And you, here we have something for one team in the, uh, you mean the fourth tier, one hundred and seventy-eight dollars. Like what a ripoff! And and it's not a ripoff, right? I mean, if if you, <clears throat> as a soccer fan or as a supporter of whichever team you support. So whether it's Accrington Stanley, Swansea City, if it's Wrexham, if you feel that that amount of money that you're paying for that service uh, is exactly, is fair value, then, then go for it. The thing about the MLS season pass is that uh, if you're a fan of, I don't know, Sporting Kansas City, if you want to watch every single um, game on through the MLS season, you mean even if you have no interest in watching any of the other teams, you pay the ninety nine dollars um, for for the season, which is a, a good deal if you are a huge fan and you want to watch those games and you can get the value back from it. Uh, do you get? Did you see any of the kind of the responses, Kartik, in terms of what um, a lot of fans of MLS fans were saying about the Wrexham and kind of making fun of it? No, I have to be honest. I'm spending less and less time on Twitter, and I'm not into any of these new social media platforms. No uh, threads? I have joined. 
uh, no, I, I, I don't even have an Instagram account, so I don't know <laughs> what I would do with threads. I, I do, uh, I do uh, have an account for Jack Dorsey's new uh, platform that he's involved with, Blue Sky, but I haven't spent much time on there either. But let me, let me say from my standpoint what a critical difference is here. So I think um, in terms of um, lower division, League One and League Two, uh, English football, there has never been an expectation that you get those games free to air or on some sort of linear cable channel. Uh, it has always been this way, or at least since iFollow was launched, and iFollow was launched uh, uh, several years ago by the, by the Football League. So there is nothing unusual about this. What makes MLS season pass uh, particularly uh, annoying for folks, and quite frankly, the Premier League on Peacock. So let, let, let's be fair. Let's, let's talk about how uh, first NBC Sports Gold and the Premier League on Peacock disrupted a lot of Premier League viewing habits. Though the expectation around those two products were that you had a certain number of games on linear television, and then you had other games at some sort of low cost. So um, MLS Live... As it was known, uh, I, I used to subscribe, subscribe to MLS Direct Kick to get every game, every additional game, and it was a lot less than, than uh, what you pay for season pass. And then um, you had MLS Live, which was uh, a standalone product, and then got rolled into ESPN Plus, which was $5 a month, and you got all, or $5.99 a month, and you got all kinds of other things. Uh, in the case of the Premier League, it was a situation where everything else – uh, the additional games were on spillover channels if you had the right uh, uh, platform, Comcast Cable or, or you know, Comcast Xfinity or DirecTV. And then NBC took those away and put them in a pay package. Those two things are very different than I follow, which has always been this price. In fact, as you said, Swansea is more expensive than uh, Wrexham. I, I, I'm not surprised by that. As I said, the uh, the price for Wrexham is not uh, abnormally high. In fact, it's kind of the sweet spot. That's kind of the average cost. If you want to follow Bristol Rovers or uh, or Doncaster or any football league club, Salford City, um, I've looked at the price for Stockport. It's it, it's actually around the same. So, it, it, and I paid for QPR last season, which was about the same. Um, now, the only difference uh, this season is for championship teams, I wouldn't advise it because there are going to be more games as part of the new championship television deal but, uh, that are uh, aired presumably on ESPN Plus in the, in the U.S. But there is not – this is a completely different uh, situation than MLS season pass or the Premier League on Peacock. It's, it, I don't even know why the comparison comes in, quite frankly. Yeah, part of it for me too is actually by subscribing to this service. I'm not able to be there you mean, abroad to watch these games. So I feel in some way this is me kind of basically giving money to the club, is, is kind of f funding the club in a small way. I mean, times, I mean, thousands of people worldwide that subscribe to these services and saying like, hey, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm willing to, to put my money in to, to watch my team, to support my team. And I know part of that contribution will go towards the club, I mean, to run, I mean, to keep it afloat, basically. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, too. Like when I do post stories about Wrexham, so whether it's this news about uh, Wrexham streaming platform available to uh, fans outside the UK, I mean, in the United States and around the world, but mostly the United States is what our focus is on. 
most of the people that are responding to the tweets or the messages or the comments are Major League Soccer fans or fans of Major League Soccer teams just ridiculing it, putting it down, calling it, I don't know, instead of World Soccer Talk, calling it Wrexham Soccer Talk, uh, which is funny too because, I mean, out of um, all of the different mainstream kind of websites in the U.S., I would say The Athletic probably publishes twice as many stories about Wrexham. The reason we write about Wrexham and talk about it is because they're a popular team. There's a lot of people that want this information. They want to know, like, hey, if I want to stream the games next season or if I want to watch uh, the games uh, that are coming you know, to North Carolina and to, to around the U- U.S., how do I see those games in person? How do I go ahead and, and sign up for the streaming services? This is information we're providing. And it's it's just weird because it seems to be that it's the MLS fans that are jealous at this publicity um, because maybe some other MLS teams that don't have as much of an interesting story to tell, uh, I mean, we're not talking about as much. So, Kartik, how does this tie in then? So if, if you can give us some some input in terms of what the, um, the story is that uh, you've covered this week about the FA Cup media rights and how they could be sold to the Premier League uh, and what could happen as a result. How does this tie in with, with Wrexham, as you mentioned, kind of at the beginning of this podcast? Well, I, don't, I don't necessarily think it ties in, but uh, a person I speak to thinks it ties in and told me uh, this morning that they think the Premier, the Premier League and FA are very conscious of Wrexham's global reach and uh, how that improves the football league standing in global marketplaces and that um, this uh, might be a preemptive defensive move uh, against uh, the emerging popularity of Wrexham and, uh, and, and, and the fo- football league's ability to commoditize this uh, irrespective of uh, whatever they say publicly, the football league, premier league and FA are all at least ostensibly rivals and the FA and the premier league. And we'll get into this more in a few minutes, Chris, I'm sure uh, in my opinion have been colluding for a long time against the football league. So, or against the EFL as it's now known. Uh, so this could be a preemptive move. I think uh, personally, there's a lot more to this than that. Yeah. Um, and that's something I guess we'll get well, into now. It's it's interesting you mentioned that too, which I didn't uh, I didn't think of. But in terms of the Premier League looking at the popularity of Wrexham and saying like, hey, you mean how can we get in on this? You mean you mean it doesn't have to be just just Wrexham. There's probably going to be some other teams kind of moving up the ladder. Similar stories, kind of Cinderella stories. How do we capitalize on that? And on that on some of the weekends where Wrexham was uh, in the FA Cup. Uh, and they were on television on ESPN2. Uh, those weekends, and we, and we reported this too on the, on the website, the reach of those games were greater than some of the Premier League matches that weekend. And I remember one of them was a Liverpool game. And I was like blown away by, wow, the reach of this game in terms of, you mean the audience, but also kind of um, the reach on streaming, et cetera. On that particular weekend, whichever game it was, I think it was an FA Cup game was greater than a Liverpool game. And I, I, I was just blown away by that. I was like, wow, that just gives you an idea oh, of how powerful oh, the it person, is. Oh, I agree with you. The person I spoke to doesn't think the Premier League and FA are trying to take advantage of it. They think they're trying to curtail it. So ah. they can minimize the uh, buzz around a Wrexham 
FA Cup first or second round match prior to the third round when, <laughs> you know, theoretically they'd probably play a Premier League club that might be competing with a Premier League match on the same day. That's what this person told me. And I, I thought, that's a little too conspiracy-minded for me, although I do have my own conspiracy theories around this situation. Uh, so okay. we can get into that well, in a minute. So the, de- the details are is that the Premier League uh, is considering... Basically, the Football Association of England is considering giving the rights to the Premier League for the FA Cup for international sale for the Premier League to go ahead and market those and sell those. And a lot of people would argue that the Premier League does you know, a fantastic job of marketing the league. I mean, globally, in terms of international, internationally, for what well over a decade in terms of being masters, uh, really kind of putting together a strong package, selling it to, you know, back in the U.S., it would have been you know, the Foxes, the ESPNs, uh, now the NBC, and how they've been able to really, just in the U.S. alone, but other markets too, uh, build the Premier League into the most popular sports league in the world and the number one soccer league in the world. So they're, they're doing all the right things. And, and meanwhile, the English Football Association, in terms of their rights deals, um, yes, a lot of those FA Cup games will be, the same teams that are in the Premier League, you mean the Liverpools and Manchester Cities and Arsenal's, but de- certainly we can argue that um, the English FA has not done as, as good a job at marketing those rights, and probably feels that hey, maybe maybe it'd be better to, for the Premier League to sell those markets, th- th- those uh, rights overseas, get more m- more money for it, and as a result, uh, give more money to the English FA than what the English FA could get. So that, that that's you mean kind of the rose the rose-colored uh, angle to it of what they may be thinking. However, if the Premier League, if this does happen, and it hasn't been I mean, set in stone, but if this does happen, the Premier League wants to make a lot of changes to the FA Cup. And some of those changes, Kartik, in terms of you, you mentioning just a minute ago, uh, kind of basically trying to limit the FA's uh, growth or the FA Cup gro- growth, uh, what are some of the things that they're suggesting uh, that, that could change, that could, that could have huge huge impacts well the fa cup could very well become largely a midweek competition replays could be abolished uh there could be uh, a lot of hype around uh the third round uh where they 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 uh create a draw where premier league teams play one another and you know everything else is ignored right and and, and uh so on and so forth. I mean, I, I, I just think this is, look, I, you and I are both on record for, for, for a dozen years or so criticizing the deal that U.S. soccer had with Soccer United Marketing, which got broken off last year, and we see the ramifications of that. We just did a podcast two weeks ago on Don Garber uh, and, and uh, Bob Foose trying to undermine the U.S. Open Cup, which is now no longer a sum property and is back in the hands of U.S. soccer who are marketing it uh, uh, on their own and have a, a media partner now in CBS Sports uh, that is kind of out of the reach of MLS or not being uh, controlled by MLS. This, to me, is, is kind of similar to the, to the uh, some move, uh, the, the some USSF move in the past. And, and uh, 
It is absolutely obscene that one of the uh, leagues that is participating in the competition would then be responsible for marketing it. Okay, and and this is um, and who knows what will happen also uh, now that the uh, FA uh, would be uh, uh, financially uh, even more tied to the Premier League. Who knows what happens to the to the League Cup, which is run by the Football League, right? And um, it, 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 perhaps Premier League teams will withdraw from the uh, uh, from the League Cup with the FA's blessing. For all we know, um, I, 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 we could we can speculate. I think a lot uh, could happen that's pretty negative for um, for English football as a result. I do want to say one thing, which is I, I believe this is potentially a preemptive strike against. We haven't talked about it much on this podcast, but it's been talked about uh, a lot, particularly from Sky Sports and The Athletic, uh, the last six months. Uh, The Sunak government, uh, the current uh, Tory government in in the UK, has talked about an independent football regulator in the wake of uh, the Super League debacle two years ago, two Aprils ago. And uh, that independent football regulator, that that idea is gaining steam, and it is... uh, it is being proposed uh, by the government, and it is one uh, area where the opposition party, Labour, doesn't seem to have a problem with it, right? Because there are so many football fans in the country uh, at the grassroots level who support uh, teams that are not in the Premier League that are kind of aghast at what's happened in football. Uh, and I don't necessarily agree with the idea of an independent regulator. I think, uh, I think there are pros and cons of that. But my feeling is... Thinking that's coming down the pike, the FA preemptively uh, has made this decision. This will also open up the potential for litigation with the FA's current rights holders, including IMG, who have the rights in this part of the world uh, and and in much of of, of the global territory. So, I I mean, this thing is just a massive story, and I I think— a, a uniquely terrible idea from most perspectives. There are some po- potential positives that we can get into, but I, I just uh, am kind of really taken aback by the whole thing, honestly. Yeah, the uh, the Premier League's uh, plans to move a lot of these FA Cup games to midweek games certainly um, lowers the excitement level, right? And it, it really kind of uh, puts the Premier League, those weekend matches as kind of the, the big games in town, the ones that's going to generate the most amount of interest and, and viewership. And then the FA Cup is then midweek is, you mean, it's like a league, it's like the League Cup, right? The League Cup, uh, those games are played midweek. It's seen as kind of a, I mean, you know, not even a secondary uh, competition, but like a tertiary competition. Um, and it's very likely, too, that uh, even if this does happen, that the Premier League clubs may say, well, it's a midweek game. Eh, we'll just go ahead and play the kids even more than we've done in the past, perhaps. But, Kartik, what would you say? Like, So in England, who has the most power? Who has more power, the English Football Association or the Premier League? The Premier League. And, I, I mean, this has started since the Premier League broke away. Let's not I, – yeah. I mean, there were a lot of uh, – pro-rel advocates, and I'm a pro-rel advocate, I'm a reformer. I know some of the listeners to this show think you and I are as uh, extreme as, as, as uh, some of the people like Ted Westervelt were not. And in fact, one of the things I continuously point out to pro-rel advocates in this country is don't use England as your model. Because in England, you basically had the NFL inspiring a breakaway already. And that breakaway was then sanctioned and enabled and actually even licensed by the, by the FA. Remember, it was the FA Premier that's right the first dozen years or so and so um 
I, I think the Premier League has all the power, it seems like, which, which shocks me. So um, I think maybe there is a um, split within the Premier League between the six big clubs, the so-called big six, and the other 14. And, and let's see what happens now with Newcastle uh, maybe joining that big six, and then it becomes 13 v. 7, and who knows, down the road with Aston Villa, uh, it, they, they have the potential to be a very, very big club, as, as we all know, uh, and maybe they'll get additional investment or the current investors who are quite wealthy will join that club. Uh, but as of now, I think uh, maybe the most powerful entity in English football is when the 14 plus six come together which they don't always come together. Right. But in this case, it looks like they are. And they probably, behind the scenes, told the uh, FA, look, we, we – uh, I mean, they've been, they've been working to abolish replays for a long time. They've been working to uh, change the scheduling of the FA Cup for a long time. And, honestly, I'm concerned that they won't give lower division, uh, lower league teams their full ta- uh, take in terms of ticket sales in the future if they get control of this competition. Well, and they'll start saying, oh, well, you're not entitled, hey, Crawley Town, you're not entitled to the payday from the match at Old Trafford. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned that all yeah. that stuff is coming. Well, well, already too, in terms of the plans, and again, it hasn't been finalized, but the, the plans for the Premier League is to abolish replays in the FA Cup. So for teams that if it's, a, you mean, I mean, Burton Albion playing, I don't know, Manchester United at home, and they manage to get a nil-nil draw in, in yeah. that, and that has to be replayed then at Old Trafford. That Old Trafford, you mean, the amount of money that they would get from that uh, that away game would probably keep that club afloat that season. That would be make a, make a difference between uh, success and failure uh, financially for a lot of these clubs. So by abolishing yeah. the replays really, really sticks kind of a, a knife into a lot of these lower league clubs that depend on that revenue. That, that That's their dream is to go a deep run in the, in the FA Cup just to keep the lights on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have to be honest with you. I mean, I um, even playing football manager uh, the one year where what year was it? The COVID year where they didn't have replays, um, and uh, and right. we already have a situation where in one of the rounds, I'm, I'm blanking out, is it the fifth round where we go right to extra time now, um, which was not the way it used to be. Uh, I, I really got startled by it just from playing a video game. Like, oh gosh, you know, because I, I was playing with a with a, a championship or League One club, I can't remember. Uh, and we were playing a Premier League club, and I, I was like, "Geez, you know that this is because in Football Manager, you know, you check your, you watch your revenue and stuff. <laughs> it's like, oh my yeah. goodness, I'm going to lose out on this this replay. Uh, it will be you raise such an important point, Chris. It will be devastating to uh, lower league clubs, and uh, the Premier League doesn't care. Here's the other thing: I think the Premier League has constantly been trying to shortchange their obligations uh, to grassroots football and lower leagues uh, for for years and years and years, led by the big. Six led by uh, particularly by Liverpool and Man United, who have wanted to. It, it's funny because their fans of those two clubs seem uniquely outraged by uh, by Manchester City and Newcastle and Chelsea spending. But it's those two clubs that really have have tried in the last uh, five years or so to consolidate all the wealth in their own hands, right? And um, they don't want to be supporting uh, uh, um, your club, Swansea City, and others. They don't want to. Uh, 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 they don't want to send money down the pyramid. And uh, I think that once they have control of the FA Cup, they have a, a, a basically a free reign to destroy English football as we know it. I, I think this is a very alarming development. Maybe I sound like I'm being hyperbolic and I'm, I'm – 
look, I, I'm very critical of U.S. soccer and Major League Soccer and uh, praise what goes on in Europe. But to me, this is an Americanization or a, a move in the direction of where MLS and U.S. soccer is by English football if this, if this actually happens. All right. A similar question, Kartik. Who has more power in the U.S.? Is it Major League Soccer or the U.S. Soccer Federation? MLS. Absolutely. So, so you've got the Premier League in England. You've got Major League Soccer in the U.S. And, and we saw, too, what MLS did with uh, marketing the U.S. Open Cup uh, when they had the rights, I mean, as Soccer United Marketing, when they had the rights uh, under their marketing arm. I saw a number, I think this past week, I think it was the amount of uh, sponsorship revenue generated by uh, MLS's uh, marketing arm, Soccer United Marketing, when they had the rights to the U.S. Open Cup recently. Any guesses what the, the sponsorship revenue was? I guess it was zero. It was zero. <laughs> it was zero. Yeah. There, there's no incentive, I mean, for Soccer United Marketing. They They perceive it as a inferior competition that's just it gets in the way it's it's something that's it's over 100 years old just like the fa cup i guess in many ways kartik what we're getting to is that the fa cup and the, and the u.s open cup have a lot in common and i really yeah. i really feel that the english fa needs to say hey it's not all about the money you I mean it shouldn't be about the money you I mean yes it's not marketed as well as it could be um, but in recent years certainly the fa cup has gone up in people's minds in terms of being a really special competition. That's why we love the FA Cup, right? There's so many, so many of us have fallen in love with soccer or English soccer based on the FA Cup. And, uh, I mean, we don't always get uh, giant killings, but uh, it's just an incredible competition. U.S. Open Cup has the potential to, to, to be something similar to that um, for different reasons, but and actually a lot of similar reasons, but... Yeah, the U.S. Open Cup and FA Cup do have quite a lot in common, which is uh, which is scary, but but also which is uh, something we need we need to pay attention to, which is why we're talking about it. All right, Kartik, let's move on to listener mailbag. Uh, first up uh, to talk about ESPN is David. David says, uh, "Have the ESPN layoffs included any of their soccer talent? Has anyone from ESPN FC or Football Americas been affected?" Uh, the pod is always a great listen. And then Chris says uh, on his voicemail. Hi, guys. I wanted to bring to your attention, if you've already not, not known about it already, some major cuts that are taking place at ESPN. As of writing this email on Friday, June 30th, a significant number of ES, on-air ESPN talent have been let go or about to be let go, especially when it comes to their NFL, NBA, and college football coverage. Based on all, on all these cuts, my question to both of you is, do you see ESPN making significant cuts when it comes to their soccer coverage, such as canceling ESPN FC or letting go of people such like Gab Marcotti? So, David and Chris, great questions. Kartik, uh, what's your take on this one? Yeah, so far, so good. I, I, I don't know of any significant uh, layoffs at ESPN, and uh, uh, thus far, the ESPN FC programming has been operating as normal. Now, the thing I would keep an eye on is when the European season start again, will we have the sort of snap uh, Saturday and Sunday video uh, presentations that they do after the matches with Mark Donaldson and Kay Murray hosting and, and uh, uh, whichever pundits they have involved? Uh, that is separate from the ESPN FC program. It's something 
which I, I think doesn't cost a whole lot of money, but you know, there's still compensation involved, and I have to assume those numbers, uh, the, 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 there isn't the sponsorship uh, dollars or numbers that they might have with uh, ESPN FC. So keep an eye out for that, but so far, uh, nothing that I know of. Yeah, I, I don't see ESPN FC going away, and I don't see any uh, cuts uh, being made. I think for the most part, ESPN, F- ESPN and ES- ESPN FC run a tight ship. Uh, they've got some good talent. Uh, it's not like Fox, where they're paying multi-million dollar contracts to Lexi Lalas. I mean, it's, um, I think, in many ways, uh, a hardworking team giving really good analysis. And likewise, too, I think, uh, you mean, probably a lot of the NBA and NFL uh, pundits might have been getting paid uh, significant sums of money and perhaps uh, ESPN FC is doing better uh, with what they have and and making the most of that. Next up is Patrick to talk about uh, Major League Soccer. Patrick says, I'll make this short and sweet since MLS has no intention of implementing promotion and relegation and League's Cup is just a cash grab, uh, not like I would have watched it anyways. Um, Is it worth watching USL and NISA? in hopes that promotion and relegation were to happen one day? Or is that wishful thinking? I've been watching Brazilian soccer to keep myself occupied while the European season is over. And those uh, friendlies uh, they will be playing uh, mean nothing to me. Thanks in advance. Keep up the great work. Kartik, this is a great question for you. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I uh, uh, think that Pro-Rel is still kind of a ways off unless it's within a single league system. So USL could do it within their league system. NISA, which has, a, by the way, uh, affiliate agreements with, with a number of regional leagues and, and, and also um, their own NISA nation divisions that play in, in a couple states, Texas, Florida, a uh, couple other places. They are in a position to do it, and I, and I know it is their intention. I, I'm, I'm fairly connected within that league. I know it is their intention to do it in a few years. But I don't think you're going to see overall promotion and relegation. I think you will just see it within a league system. You already have it in, in UPSL to a certain extent. So, for, for example, we have had uh, teams from the second division in Florida in UPSL, which, by the way, is an adult amateur league. So it's really fourth and fifth division. Uh, not sanctioned as such, but that's really what they are. We have had uh, teams from the Florida Second Division move up to the Florida First Division, and teams from the Florida First Division move down to the Florida Second Division in within UPSL. So I think it's likely it's already happening in that league. It's it's pretty likely down the road, I believe, within NISA and within USL, but I don't expect NISA and USL to do pro-rel together if that's uh, the question. And that's, of course, ultimately what we would want, right? Pro-rel within a single league system is not, it's, it's not really giving you the full benefits of an open system. Yeah, we have a great article actually at uh, worldsoccertalk.com that asks the question, who is actually against pro-rel in the U.S.? And other than the billionaires that own the MLS teams and other than some of these even Twitter trolls that have, I don't know, less than 500 followers and are just trying to create trouble, um, the vast majority of everyone else is for it. I mean, whether it's reporters, journalists, players, I mean, John Hawks this week, I saw him being interviewed saying like, yeah, I'd love to see it. Bob Bradley, uh, I mean, you go down the list, I think everyone's is for it, except for those people that would probably, uh, 
you mean see some change uh, in in terms of their fortunes. So that's mostly the billionaires and or you mean major league soccer basically. So um, that's the interesting thing is that you mean arguably ninety five percent of the people are for it, but the five percent of people that are don't want it to happen would be the people that are in power, and that's FIFA by being really kind of lax about um, their guidelines and, and, and how they say that I mean, all leagues should have promotion and relegation, should be based on sporting merit, and how they kind of take their foot off, off, off the brake and let MLS do its thing. Yeah, I, I find it really interesting. All right, NPOB1 says, the difference when David Beckham came is that the internet and access to see in Messi now uh, as stated by Christopher, Messi not speaking English and not being a showpiece for talk shows hurts. The buzz really isn't there. Will the 50 to $60 million per year salary be better used for Major League Soccer? So I think, I mean, personally speaking, I think it's still, I mean, certainly Messi's going to have a huge impact uh, and is going to grow the league and potentially grow soccer in this country too. Um, we'll have to wait and see if the hype is is bigger than the player or if the player is bigger than the hype because we've seen those ticket sales. We've seen you know, all, the, all the numbers going in the right direction, but is it going to be worth the 50 to $60 million uh, per year salary for Major League Soccer, and could that be better spent? I, th- I think a lot of it depends on what the results are. It's basically what does this buy MLS I mean? To have that, you I mean, 50, paying... $60 million a year for Messi, I mean, what do they get in return for that? Is it increased subscriptions to Major League Soccer? Is it now that they're seen as more of a, you know, a, a bigger league around the world? Uh, those things we have to wait and see. We, we, uh, we can't say right now in terms of what's going to happen until it actually happens. Last but not least, uh, Ian has a question about the Saudi Pro League. He says, hey, guys, wondering if you've heard anything about English language or Spanish language U.S. rights for the Saudi Pro League in 2023-24. I feel like the uh, PIF should move to give the rights away for free, maybe with millions of dollars to sweeten the deal, to to quality streaming and TV services with wide distribution. Love the pod. I think I said this on last podcast or the, or the one before, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, the Saudi Pro League would do a, a deal with Fox and Fox says, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll show those games on FS2. We'll show them on Fox Soccer Plus. Uh, we'll make some available on foxsports.com. If it's a big game, maybe we'll put it on FS1. I mean, and, and, and in the partnership with that, maybe they'll, go, they'll do a whole sponsorship deal promoting the Saudi Pro League. I could see that happening easily. Um, but right now, in terms of answering your question, Ian, it, as as of as of right now, everything's the same as it was last season, which is that if you want to watch the Saudi Pro League, you have to subscribe to um, a streaming service through the Saudi Pro League uh, website. All right, Kartik, uh, we've got some great feedback from listeners uh, this week. So, listeners, if you do want to reach out to us to uh, ask us your, your questions, uh, basically debate us or rant and rave about anything in regards to soccer or streaming or television coverage, let us know. You can email us web at worldsoccertalk.com. You can go to the website worldsoccertalk.com and then click on podcasts and then leave a comment in the comment section. You can go to facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk 
and uh, send us a message there. Uh, Twitter is at World Soccer Talk. Uh, YouTube.com slash World Soccer Talk. You can post your comments on those uh, videos there. And then last but not least, uh, the voicemail is 561-247-4625 if you want to leave a voicemail there. Kartik, where can listeners find you and, and also um, read um, the writings on Substack? Yeah, so we're at beyondthe90.substack.com and you can find me on Twitter at KKFLA737. If you're using Blue Sky, uh, I am uh, on there at, uh, I'm checking out my, oh, at KKFLA737. Um, dot bsky dot social so uh that's uh that's jack dorsey's platform by the way so i I think people who don't like twitter may not like that platform either it's just kind of uh uh, twitter reconfigured with the old ownership more than 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 instead of elon musk but i'm on those two platforms yeah and that's the thing about threads i mean to me it's it's Facebook, basically. I mean, it's <laughs> right. It's owned by Mark Zuckerberg. I already heard that. I already heard that. From so, yeah. I mean, so many people kind of thinking that that Threads is going to be the answer. I mean, it's it's effectively Facebook. I mean, it's owned by the company that owns Facebook. You I mean any? And if you don't like Threads after giving it a try, you want to delete your account. You have to delete your Instagram account also. So you lose Threads. And you lose Instagram if you're a big Instagram user, so that that's a big obstacle there. But uh, um, but but Kartik, in terms of the Substack, it, it, anything coming up of interest uh, to our listeners? Any interesting stories that you're kind of uh, thinking about? Yeah, so we recorded a podcast on Florida soccer today, and then minutes later, Neil Collins uh, left uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies to take the head coaching job at Barnsley. So obviously, we'll be covering that. Uh, looking at transfers coming up, looking at the NPSL playoffs. There's a lot of interesting developments in NPSL in terms of teams that might come and go. And uh, looking ahead to the Women's World Cup, uh, in addition to just the usual soccer goings on uh, over there. Yeah, that's that's a, that's of interest to us too in terms of the, the Women's World Cup. I mean, looking at the schedule, the schedule is crazy. I mean, so basically you've got the Women's World Cup starting at the same time as League's Cup which starts at the same time as Champions Soccer Tour, which starts at the same time as all of these friendlies coming, right? Wrexham and, you mean, uh, Borussia Dortmund's coming, Chelsea's coming, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be a really packed, um, basically, few weeks from, from like about July 20th onwards. And, you know, I mean, can see, <laughs> pretty much if, if you wanted to, you could pro- probably watch soccer, 24 hours a day i mean a lot of the games uh let me just finish on this card i'm not sure if you saw this but a lot of the games are starting at 9 p.m uh, eastern time for the women's world cup and then goes through the night till basically about what, five o'clock in the morning six o'clock in the morning um i'm not sure if you caught this you probably missed it but uh fox's coverage of the gold cup i think one of the u.s games uh they had a promo on on the screen as like hey get ready Coming up, this is the group uh, schedule for the U.S. Women's National Team for the, um, the for the Women's World Cup. Uh, the first three games they start at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the second game starts at 7 p.m. Eastern, also, and then the third game starts at 1 a.m. Eastern. Well, that's so misleading, and it's not true because the games actually start at uh, the first two games start at 9 p.m. Eastern, and then the third game starts at 3 a.m. Eastern. So they're trying to promote and trying to trick people into thinking that the games start two hours 
earlier than what they actually uh, start at. And you can imagine too, I'm sure they're going to have kind of the, hey, coming up, coming up next uh, before the game, we've got uh, an exclusive interview with Alex Morgan. Coming up after that, we've got a preview. We've got some action on the pitch. I mean, it's such, it's such a joke. It's such a bait and switch. It really upsets me. And I, I just can't believe that Fox keeps on trying to do this. It, it, it's BS. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I didn't see those promos, but I know what time the U.S. games are starting. So I was thinking 9, 9, 3. And you said 7, 7, 1. Yeah. Which is a uh, big difference. It's totally a bait and switch, right? The pregame show is longer than the match. Yeah. And like 7, 7, and 1, that's doable, right? If you're a massive U.S. women's national team fan or U.S. fan. I mean, that's doable. The 1 a.m., yeah, I could stay up to 3 o'clock and still you know, get a few hours of sleep and go in, into work the next morning. But 3 a.m. Eastern, that's going to be a tough one. That's the third one. Hopefully, by that point, the U.S. would have uh, qualified for the next round. Um, and that game might be, I mean, just kind of a, um, uh, what, what's the expression? A uh, dead rubber, basically, uh, going into that next round. But still, uh, it's just typical Fox stuff, unfortunately. All right, Kartik, uh, heading into another weekend of soccer from around the world, uh, including Fox's coverage of the Gold Cup. What are you going to do and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football.